Well, hello. I am Danny Kilgore, and I serve as one of the pastors on staff here at Marin Covenant Church. And I say welcome to those of you in the room, those of you online. It is always a pleasure to be before you. I consider it a gift when I have the opportunity to speak to you. I consider it a gift because God could choose anyone to speak to his sheep, to um, deliver the word that he has for his people. And so when God says, it's you, Danny, that I want to speak, I consider it a gift, I consider it an honor, and I give him gratitude for that. And with that said, though I know I just said a little um, short prayer, would you do me the honor of allowing me to go before the Lord and say another prayer? Is that okay? All right. So join me in prayer. Gracious God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the honor of being able to um, give a word that comes directly from you to your people. So, Father, we, your people, are here. God, I pray that you would remove any distractions that would keep us from hearing from you. Help us to um, listen with um, open ears, open spirit. God, we thank you for this day, this day that we will never see again or experience again. Allow us to not leave here the same way we came in. And we give you praise and we give you glory for you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And all the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 21. And we are going to start at verse 15. John chapter 21, starting at verse 15. And for those of you who are in the room using one of our pocket Bibles, could someone go ahead and shout out the page number so that we can get there a little quicker? 1088. 1088. 1088. So if you have a pocket Bible, we're going to go 1088. So that's John chapter 21. Starting at verse 15. John chapter 21, verses, starting at verse 15. All right. And it reads, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lamb. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. 
And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verse 18, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Verse 20, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. You know, we are in a series titled The Call, walking through what a life of discipleship looks like and what God is asking us to do. And in reading this text, I thought about when I was a young, inexperienced driver. Now, I'm, I'm not an inexperienced driver anymore, okay? No, I'm actually a good driver. Matter of fact, I'm actually an elite status driver <laughs> by Geico's terms, okay? I am an elite status driver. Now, if you go outside and look at my car, don't look at the right side of the driver's side, that ding on there. No, that is not a reflection of me, okay? That is a reflection of someone who can't tell the difference between a parked car and one that's immobile, okay? So, immobile, driving. That, that, I am still an elite driver, okay? But I digress. All right. Now, when I think of this text, an inexperienced driver. I think of me when I was an inexperienced driver. There was something that I was always challenged with. Now, it had nothing to do with like parallel parking or backing up or, you know, trying to signal or anything like that. It was nothing like that. I had the hardest time staying in my lane. When I would drive, I could never stay in my lane. So much so, my mother would see me driving and would reach over to the steering wheel to pull us back into our lane. I remember driving with my brother-in-law one time, and he would watch, he was watching me drive, and he said out loud, I see why you can't stay in your lane. You are looking at everything around you. He said, you are looking at the people on the outside in their car. You're trying to fiddle with the radio. You're looking at the things behind you way too long. He's like, we were supposed to be trailing your sister. Look, where is she? I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, you have to focus on what's in front of you. Stop worrying about everything around you and look straight ahead. You are distracted by everything else and not what you should be focused on. 
You know, when I think about this life of discipleship and inexperienced drivers, those two go hand in hand. If we are to truly be disciples of Christ and to follow him, learning to drive and maturing as a disciple of Jesus requires us to focus on what's happening in front of us and not what's happening around us. You see, here in these scriptures, we find Jesus and Peter in a very intimate conversation. And Jesus is asking Peter some really important questions. You see, after they've had a meal, Jesus is encountering them for the third time after his resurrection. And he pulls Peter aside and he asks him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says, oh, Jesus. You know I love you. And Jesus asked him again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. But then Jesus asked him again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says, Jesus, you know all things, so you should know that I love you. And then he says, then follow me. I want to draw our attention to this conversation because you would think this repetitive questioning of Jesus seems out of place, but maybe it's not. You know, it's interesting to think that Jesus would be asking Peter these questions, but let's take a look at this for a second. Could it be this subtle way of Jesus asking him these three questions could be a reminder of when Peter denied Christ three times before Christ's crucifixion. I mean, it couldn't have been lost on Peter that he, too, had denied Christ three times. And here Jesus is asking Peter three times, do you love me? But there's another very interesting contrast I want to point out in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. And it's in the use of the word love in the Greek form. You see, when Jesus asks, do you love me? He uses the Greek form of love, agape. So when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? The first two times, he uses the Greek form agape, which means unconditionally. He says, Peter, do you love me? Unconditionally, first time. But when Peter responds back to him, he responds back to Jesus in the form filio, which is like a brotherly love, like, buddy, you know I love you, homie, old chap. And Jesus is like, hmm. So he asked him a second time. Maybe, maybe he didn't hear me. <laughs> Peter, or Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Love me unconditionally. And Peter responds again in the 
filial way. Yeah, I love you, brother, friend, homie, dude. Mm -mm. So then on the third time, Jesus switches it and asks him in the filial way, in the Greek form, the way Peter was responding to him. He says, Peter, son of John, do you love me in the brotherly way? And Peter responds, you know all things. You know I love you, filio, like a brother. You see, in that moment, I believe Jesus was trying to stretch Peter to invite him to love Christ in an unconditional way. He knew, he does know all things. He knew that Peter loved him in a brotherly friend way but what he was doing was inviting him to a different kind of love he was asking him trying to affirm in him to love him in a way he had not gotten to and I believe that Christ is inviting us and extending us that same invitation You see, we get annoyed or irritated by Christ's repetitive questioning of us. Do you love me? Do you love me? And we're like, Christ, you know I love you. But have we analyzed the type of love we're offering to Jesus? Have we offered Christ that filial, friend type of love when what is required of us to be a disciple of Jesus is an unconditional type of love. You see, I know that Peter had it in his heart to be a disciple. He wanted to offer Christ that agape kind of love, but he got distracted. He got distracted by two things. He got distracted by the the call that Christ had given him and the call he was given to someone else. Let's take a look at verse 18. Go back up to verse 18. Verse 18 says, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him, them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, is going to betray you. When Peter saw him, he asked him, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. 
Okay, so at this point, having been told that he would die a martyr's death, Peter now turns to Jesus and says, well, well what about him? What about John? What, what he gonna do? You telling me what's about to happen to me and John back there? You ain't said nothing about him and what's gonna happen to him and his ministry. You telling me I'm about to die. But what about John? He a disciple too. John, what, what's his word? Jesus. How about that? Tell, tell John, come on up here. Tell him. What, what, is, what you gonna do with him? He's focused on the wrong thing. And what does Jesus say? Okay, Dannyism. Jesus said, mind your business. Mind your business. That's none of your business. What Jesus actually said is, what is it to you? You must follow me. Jesus said, stay in your lane. You focus on what he's doing when I'm talking to you. You know, this is so important. This conversation between Peter and Jesus is so relevant to our current situation because it doesn't matter your age or stage in life. It doesn't matter where you are in your background. We all get caught up in the comparison trap. We all have access to looking at someone else or we're capable of looking at someone else's story and thinking that they don't deserve what we think we deserve or taking the heat off of us to place it on someone else. We all do that. And the reason why I do what I call Dannyisms is to help us to see that these disciples aren't book characters. They are real life humans that deal with the same types of emotions that we deal with today. And in this picture, Peter had some issues with what Christ had to say to him in verse 21. You see, if I paraphrase the question that Peter was asking, he's ultimately saying, Jesus, you are telling me that I have to suffer and die about your, my testimony with you. But you said nothing about John. So what is he going to do? Should he have a better life? Is he going to just live as a king or what? What is he going to do? And Jesus is saying, that's none of your business. That has nothing to do with you. What happens with, what happens with Peter and what happens with you are two separate you know, when we as people have our own conversations, we get caught up in the same things. Whether it's through social media, the ads we click, the TV shows we see, the conversations we have with our coworkers or our friends, we get caught up in the comparisons. Is their journey better than ours? Are they going to get there before us? Do they deserve what they have? How did they get that scholarship? They don't even make those type of grades. 
How do they get into that school? Do they even deserve that promotion? I work harder than they do. My work ethic is definitely better than theirs. And Christ is saying to us, what is it to you? That is a hard pill to swallow, especially when it's coming from Jesus. It's not coming from me, okay? That's not coming from me. That comes from verse 22. If you want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? That's Jesus' word. It's in red. That's, that's the words of Christ. That's not mine, okay? Take that up with Jesus. But the thing is this. I think about if we really want to follow Jesus, we have to understand that it's a personal connection between him and us. You know, some of you may remember me saying that I have a sister who's nine years older than me. And a nine-year gap is pretty large when you're kids. And so the comparisons happen a lot. You know, this is a picture of us when I was, I think I was like 13 or maybe 12 or 13 or 14. I can't really remember. Um, but she and I used to compare what would happen to her, what happened to me all the time. So when, for instance, they'd say, Danielle, it's time to go to bed at 8 o'clock, I would say, well, what time keeps you going to bed? <laughs> or when she would get waking up at, uh, on a Saturday morning, say, Keisha, it's time to help clean up. She'd say, well, what Danielle's going to be doing? And it would go back and forth, back and forth, until finally my grandmother would say, okay, you know what? I've had enough. You two are constantly saying, what is this one doing versus what is that one doing? You so focus on what she doing or what she doing, you can't get either one of you all's things done. So how about this? You focus on what you got to do, and you focus on what you got to do, and let me, the grandmama, focus on both of y'all, and we all get along. How about that? And that was the end of that, if we knew what was good for us. Okay, all right. Now, the disciples, they didn't have no southern grandmama. <laughs> they better be glad they did. But they had something better. They had Jesus. And Jesus said in verse 22, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. See, this life of discipleship, as I've said, is a personal invitation between you and Jesus. Now, it takes a community for us to remain faithful to that call for accountability purposes. But the call itself is shaped and given to us by God and no one else. We are called to be faithful to that call. Avoid distractions. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing 
and to stay in our lane. You see, John did not die a martyr's death, but he did suffer in prison for his faith. And Peter faithfully obeyed Jesus, finally dying as a witness to Christ. You know, they both are models to what it looks like to say yes to Jesus and to follow faithfully to the call that you have on your life. You know, as we stand, as I stand here today, I believe God is asking us, do you love me? Christ is asking, do you love me not with the filial, sibling friendship kind of love, but an agape kind of love? The kind of love that is unconditional, that has a call, that might require you to suffer differently than your neighbor. Do you love me? Can you say yes to a call? Now, I know some of you may be saying, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And I get it. Believe me, I do. And I think about the decisions that we make, and you feel like, I have to be ready for a decision like that. But I had a pastor share with me one time that you, you can't be ready for some things. Being ready may not ever come. Sometimes it's not about being ready. It's about being willing. I remember when I was preparing for being a parent. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready. And a pastor said, you won't ever be ready to be a parent. But are you willing? A few weeks ago, Ben Z, our high school director, preached a sermon about forgiveness. And he said, sometimes forgiveness is best offered from a place of a willingness, not readiness. And I want to encourage you and say that Christ is actually not desiring for us to be ready to follow him. He just wants to know, are you willing to follow? Are you willing to follow Jesus? Are you willing to love Christ with that agape love? See, growing up saying yes to following Jesus looked very different than it looks. You know, when I was seven years old, I accepted Christ at Gospel Temple Baptist Church. You know, when that time came, the pastor uh, would say, he, you would know he would finish preaching, and the deacons would put out these two brown, rickety uh, brown chairs right in front, two. And the pastor would say, the doors of the church are open. Is there one? And that phrase, the doors of the church are open, simply meant you can come 
as you are. That means you, you don't have to be, get yourself ready. There's nothing you need to do. You just come exactly how you walked in. You're welcome. You don't need to get ready. Jesus will accept you just as you are. Just come on in. If your heart is willing to say yes, then the doors are open. And they put those two chairs right out. And I would wonder, do they just two? That's all they want? What about 10, 20, put more? Just two? But it was because they were very clear. This wasn't a call for everybody. They knew this was specific to somebody. It wasn't a everybody get in where you fit in kind of appeal. This was very specific. Do you need to resolve in your heart? Do I need to say yes to Jesus? Have I reconciled the issue? So today, I ask you the question. Have you accepted the call to say yes to Jesus? Have you resolved in your heart that you have said yes? Have you made up in your mind that you will follow Jesus? If the answer is no, then I want to give you that opportunity today. I want to give you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to accept salvation today. At seven years old, I walked down the aisle and sat in one of two of those rickety brown chairs. But I also, at 22, in the middle of my bedroom floor, with no one around, fell on my knees, called out to the Lord, and asked for repentance and rededicated my life. I said that to say that if you don't feel comfortable walking down, that's okay because the invitation to say yes is always there. So whether you walk down and meet me at the front, you reach out to a pastor and do a one-on-one -on, -one on Monday or in your car in the middle of rush hour on Friday, call out to the Lord, the invitation to say yes to Jesus is available to you. This is just an opportunity to do it right now. I'm going to invite the band to come back out. And I want to make it clear that this right now is your opportunity, is an opportunity. As we continue in worship, you have the opportunity to settle in your heart. Have I said yes to Jesus? Have I 
accepted him when he's been given the call to follow me, have I said yes? Not am I ready, am I willing to follow him? Because you won't do it alone. You're not going to do this by yourself. You will do it in community with fellow believers who will walk with you along the way, who will help you. That's what discipleship looks like. This is a lifelong journey that will start today and will forever go on until the day Christ returns. The doors of the church are open. Is there one?